door service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Well, as we've been talking about the uh, search for that uh, missing submersible on an expedition to view the Titanic has passed, Uh, what we've been told is that critical 96-hour mark when breathable air could have run out. Um, It's a pretty grim moment in this effort to save the five people on board. The Titan submersible had uh, about a four-day supply of breathable air when it launched Sunday morning in the North Atlantic. But again, experts emphasizing that uh, that was an approximate, uh, that was approximate, depending on uh, if there was any mitigation efforts uh, being put in place, that sort of thing. Well, Don Muth is a senior technical advisor with International Submarine Engineering Limited in Port Coquitlam. He knows about submersibles. He knows about submarines. Joining us this morning, Don, welcome to the show. Uh, I was curious, Don, about whether this particular mission, the Titan, this submersible, this company, was at all on your radar before we heard about this? Was was it talked about in the in the circles of submarine technology? Um, the answer is yes, it was because it's a little unusual in how it um, in how it's uh, constructed. In, in what way? Um, normally, um, submarines are built with, I'd say, very conventional uh, materials, high-strength steels, uh, titanium, it just is very common for these. Uh, this one here with its carbon fiber hull um, is rather unusual. The titanium domes at each end, that's, I'd say, very conventional, um, well understood, and with a good track record. So, so Don, with this carbon fiber hull, which you say is unusual, um, had I think that this one had um, the Titan had made this journey twice before. But had it been rated, had it been, you know, put under, you know, all sorts of tests that you would think um, to to test it out beforehand. I'm not sure the amount of tests. Um, it was not classed by one of the class organizations and those ones there are like independent um, engineering reviews mm-hmm. essentially so they take a look at something as uh, American Bureau of Shipping or uh, Lloyd's um, are two of the big ones and um, there's a number of others that are also quite competent so they'll look at the design before they even start but do we know? But do we know what happens to this type of hull under multiple pressure cycles? Uh, the simple answer is not entirely. Um, they've done lots of testing. Carbon fiber is not new anymore, but it is what we do know, and what I've found with internal in-house testing on it is it's extremely strong um it seems very good but if it has a flaw that you don't see when it fails it fails catastrophically give us an idea uh, if you can what kind of uh, of of power this pressure has at that four kilometer almost four kilometers below the surface of the ocean the pressure we're talking about and how small a problem would would be to become catastrophic it would seem with that kind of pressure it wouldn't take much 
it doesn't take much. Um, we're all hoping that, that there wasn't a catastrophic failure, that there was some other power failure or something that uh, led to this, um, because that gives that still gives hope. Um, but even a very small uh, implosion um, has a tremendous impact on everything around it because of the shock wave. Uh, so very typically, man subs, you're very concerned with um, even small volumes, um, you know, coffee can size volumes. If that imploded, um, that can do severe damage or even a breach of hull if there's a small can outside that does that. The uh, stored energy there is really tremendous. If that hull totally collapsed, it would be like a small bomb going off. Don Muth joining us this morning, the Senior Technical Advisor with International Submarine Engineering Limited in uh, Port Coquitlam, B.C. Don, what do you think has happened? Um, I think it's a bit of surprise that there's been no contact uh, with it at all, and that, to me, doesn't bode well. But what, what do you think happened? Well, that's all speculation at the moment. We don't know enough. That's the reality. And most of us in the subsea industry like to deal with hard facts. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly discussed what possibly could have happened. Um, we all hoped that it was a power failure or something like the batteries uh, had an internal fault and they totally quit and that's why they lost um, communication. But um, um, that's, like I say, the best case and that's what we all hope has happened. But there's multiple other things could have happened. Um, it could have had a small breach and flooded. It could have had a catastrophic failure and, and totally collapsed. Uh, that's probably the three most likely um, mm -hmm. things that happened. Uh, none are good, obviously, for the people that are there. And they're running out of time for air if it happened to be a, a power failure. Um, if any of the other things happened, it would have been uh, over almost instantly. Uh, I had understood that they had some ballast that it could have brought them back to the surface. Is, is that kind of thing require power to trigger it? Or do you know about that? Um, in this case, I don't know how they were releasing their ballast. Yeah. And normally, the ballast, you don't need power on every one that I've worked on. It has, it's very manual. It's a, a manual pump inside that'll pump and uh, pull a cylinder pin and drop a ballast weight. And some of them actually had screws that went through the uh, pressure hull with uh, seals that you could just unscrew the ballast weight and drop it. Uh, so typically it's a very manual operation that doesn't depend on any power that you don't supply yourself. Don, um, seems to me it's it's quite odd that it, it's just kind of disappeared. Um, I would think that the crew on top um, would have had a fairly good idea of of where this thing was going and where it was when it uh, lost contact. Because from what I understand, these things don't really move all that fast. No, they don't move that fast. But there is currents that um, that I'm going to say will push it off 
of a direct descent to where they want to go. So that's that's going to allow it to drift around. And again, we don't have a lot of information mm-hmm. on what um, sensors were on it. Uh, very typically, these things, the submersibles would have an acoustic positioning system, so you would know where it is relative to the ship. Um, and those are fairly accurate. And um, even down at um, you know the bottom, you'd even with the least accurate ones, you'd know where you are within a few meters. Uh, so that would make it easy to know where it is. Um, and again, quite typically, most of them will also have an emergency pinger, much like uh, planes do, where they have an emergency transponder. Uh, and then you could find it. But so far, they haven't um, they haven't heard any of those if it was supplied with it. And so it's yeah, it's extremely worrisome. Yep. Yeah. Don, I know it's a lot of speculation, but you've given us some some more information about the, just the the situation, about the equipment, about the uh, about the, the dangers and the pressures. And we really appreciate your time this morning and and offering up some of that expertise. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Don Muth, uh, senior technical advisor mm. with International Submarine Engineering Limited. They're based out of uh, Port Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. Knew about it ahead of time, just because it was uh, groundbreaking in some ways with the carbon fiber hull. He had said uh, before that he'd been following this quite some time, Mm -hmm. and again, that carbon fiber hull, the uh, kind of the one that they were all really paying attention to, because it was so new, it was different. Yeah, seven sixteen. We need to take a break. We'll be back. This morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre, supported by Abe's Door Service, with 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Did you know all the words to this back in the day? Like you were, you were, you're a little younger than me. You're a fair amount younger than me. So this was right in my wheelhouse, and I knew at the, at the time let's, every every word. Let's put it this way: when this first, when I first heard this song, I actually thought it was about baseball. <laughs> so yeah, at that age, that's good. So because that album came out, "Bad Out of Hell" came out what 1977? Something like that. So I was about seven years old, yeah. six, seven years old. So I it's actually a baseball thought it, song. I thought it was a baseball song. I thought it was a baseball song for a very <laughs> long time. Let's put it that way. Um, very good memory, by the way. Seventy-seven. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My husband gets freaked out about that when it comes to music with me because so I can you... place where I was when I heard that song ah, the first time. I was at in my auntie Al and uh, my, my my uncle Al, my auntie. Um, Marion's house. Yeah. I have to count on my fingers and toes. It's for some reason it's a mental block that I don't. Something that could have happened three years ago might seem like it was fifteen, mm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Something in the seventies, I lived it. I was there, but uh, hell, if I can remember what year it was. 
I have I to go kn- and find out when it happened. So I, I know don't. all the words to the song now. I didn't really start to hear I, that song a whole lot until I moved to Edmonton and it was played at the Christmas parties and our assignment editor, Glenn Kubish. Uh, Kubi. <laughs> um, you guys know Kubi. Mm. Kubi would get up and he was like playing the lead role and mm-hmm. all the, you know, we'd get up there and sing it with him. That's probably one of a handful of albums for me that I know every word to almost every song. Really? Yeah, and I still do. Actually, I was listening to it again. It's, and uh, it's maybe I wouldn't song. get them if it was just on my own. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get all of them, but singing along, yeah, yeah. The, you get yeah, reminded absolutely. of the cadence and then the tempo and all that kind of so thing. So here's a question for you then. Yes. If, if it was, I don't know, a situation, I don't know, <laughs> life or death situation, let's okay. put it that way, and, and to, to get out safely, you needed to sing a song Start to finish, mm-hmm. without screwing up the words, what would that song be? And it can't be tequila. Happy birthday. And not happy birthday. <laughs> Piano um, Man for me. Guaranteed that you know it inside and out, no problem. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> uh, that's, a song. Song. that's a long song. That's yeah, so a long song. The dance. I could do the dance. In uh, our, Garth Brooks? I still remember that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I play that one. So some, some things I play uh, musically, mm-hmm. so... I can do that. I can also do the seven-minute-long Suicide Winder song yeah. that we introduced a little while back, too. Yeah. So yeah. I can do all of those. Devil Went Down to George as well, I think. Oh, you could do that one, I really? So. Wow. And that quickly. I was looking for a solo steal. He was going to buy him because he's way back. He wanted to make a deal. He came across a young boy, saw it on a fiddle on Plain and Hot. Yeah, I think I could. Okay. And well, that's interesting because when you when you have songs like that one that are moving faster mm-hmm. and, you know, that's a, that's a tricky one because Travis Tritt's Trouble is one that I've always thought, okay, I could probably do. I could probably do. Uh-huh. Is there any other ones? Because uh, yeah, I'm surprised probably. that that one would be long. Be a Neil Diamond, That's a probably a Neil, Neil Diamond, Diamond song. Yeah. I mean, I could. I you name pretty much any Neil Diamond song, and I could probably do it start to finish, right? Probably, so. but whether your life depends on it or not, it might be a different um, kettle of fish. You know, Sweet Caroline, obviously, be is Sweet Caroline, Brother Loves Traveling Show, probably. Um, yeah, well, no, yeah, I could. So, but it's got to yeah. be second nature. It's, it, it it's has with to no be. No musical introduction. No double clutching. You don't get to go along. You can't double clutch. You just got to start. Start it and yeah. do it. And so many times there will be one that you're familiar with and you go, oh crap, how does it go? How does it yeah. start? And yeah, you yeah. forget. So it's possible. Yeah, yeah. And I know this is always a, this is always a fun one. I can't say that one on air, so careful. <laughs> Someone says, back in the day, Ched played so much meatloaf and I got it got so old to me. Didn't like it. Uh, well, I remember being on the school bus. Uh, north of Vermilion and uh, and arguing over which station and I want to listen to 630 Ched and uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light would come on <laughs> and the whole bus would sort of sing along or be grooving along to it. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if a bus driver was that thrilled with having to listen to Paradise by the Dashboard Light but yeah, it got played a lot. It was a top 40 station back in the day. That's yeah. that's what it did. It played it over and over. Yeah, Meatloaf was so high school and uh, for me Meatloaf wasn't a thing again. You know, I went to high school from um, what, 84 to 89. Yeah. So, so that's, that's hair metal. It's Duran Duran. Um, new wave. <laughs> it's, you know, the British stuff. You know, that was not Meatloaf. Yeah, no. Meatloaf didn't come back again, I think, until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a song that, uh, no, I shouldn't even go down that road. It's 40 Below. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much all I yeah, need yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For an awful lot of people to know exactly yeah. what that song is. I knew that song when I was very young yeah. because we used to go to the farm all the time, to the McCoy's farm in Madoc for oh. their big weekend parties. And how highly inappropriate that would have it been. It was. Yeah. Just say, hey, no, the kids can sleep in the barn tonight. It was okay. <laughs> and please go get some milk for the coffee in the morning. And that's where I learned how to milk a cow.
<laughs> Literally. <Okay>. Wow. <laughs> and, and now we have to, I want to hear more about this. <laughs> we did. Wow. We would, the kids would get sent down to the, to the barn to get milk for dinner. <laughs> Spray the cats. <laughs> That's funny.